Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, March 1st, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. And if today is better than yesterday, that'll be because we have a labor deal, Taylor. This is very exciting. These rumblings overnight. That's right. I I did SportsCenter this morning, and the way I couched it was as if the ball is at the 30-yard line. You need a touchdown. You're driving toward the goal line. It's not done. It's not close to being done. There's more work to do, but they did make progress yesterday. That was the voice, of course, of Taylor Schwenk, who's working from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut. Uh, Sarah is joining us from Nebraska. Sarah, what's going on? Nothing much. We just moved houses, so that was exciting. But yeah, I've been following along on Twitter on everything. Seems like nobody is sleeping today, so God bless everybody there. I know, and you're not sleeping because one of your favorite Bucks retired the other day. Again, the, all the Buc- Tampa Bay Buccaneers are retiring. I know. That was so sad. I love Ali Marpet, but I'm happy for him. He's such a good man, so whatever he's doing, I'm sure he'll be happy. <laughs> I'm Buster only working from my home in New York. Today, we'll be talking with Jesse Rogers, who's standing outside the gates of where those labor discussions are going on. He'll give us a read where negotiations stand. And we'll talk about the news yesterday that Derek Jeter is stepping down from his position as CEO of the Miami Marlins. And today we'll be talking with fans, call it fan therapy. Uh, We're going to be getting some, uh, some feedback from listeners about how they're feeling about uh, what's going on in the labor discussions and give them a chance to vent a little bit uh, at owners or players or whatever they want to do. Uh, I mentioned Derek Jeter stepping down as the Marlins CEO and shareholder. He put out a statement which kind of led us to believe that part of the reason why he stepped down was that uh, was because owner Bruce Sherman was not willing to grow the payroll. I think the situation is a lot more nuanced than what's being portrayed in the media. I'll be talking with Jesse about that. The Yankees, welcome back to former player Hensley Mullins as their assistant hitting coach. He actually uh, interviewed with the Yankees for their opening uh, of manager when Aaron Boone got the job. Now he joins the Yankees as an assistant hitting coach. Here's the update on the labor talks. They talked. Taylor, they talked. Normally we have that Price is Right drop, but you know what? They talked, and that was the drop that I could find on YouTube. Uh, A lot of folks in Sweden having conversations. What do you think? I love it. I actually was uh, pondering that last night. I was like, ooh, we cannot use our typical drop. I won't even... My finger moved toward the button to play, but I won't even play it because that would be some bad juju for these talks. So carry on, everyone. (laughs) All right. Uh, There was also a record number of steps that were taken. I'm sure that on iPhones yesterday, in terms of some of these negotiators, uh, the step count probably was up to about 25,000 based on the time uh, that they spent going back and forth and having like 12 different negotiation sessions. Uh, The owners moved in those conversations yesterday on CBT levels and taxes. The players moved on arbitration eligible players. Two big items today, the CBT, uh, the competitive balance tax, uh, and the question of how big the playoff field will be. I'll explain why the owners want a 14-team playoff field and why they need a 14-team playoff field. As I say, I think it's about the 30-yard line. Uh, Taylor, what do you got? Buster, it is officially March 1st, which means March Madness is breathing down upon us. You should be listening to Bald Men on Campus, ESPN's College Basketball 
podcast hosted by College Game Day's Three Follicly Challenge host Jay Billis, Seth Greenberg, and Lafonso Ellis. Check that out every week and uh, twice a week during the tournament. Also, listen to Swaggoo and Perk, hosted by Marcus Spears and Kendrick Perkins every Tuesday. Swaggoo and Perk this week, they explain why John Morant is the number one draw in the NBA, why Perk is rooting hard for James Harden, and why LeBron's actions were troubling over the weekend. Follow Swaggoo and Perk wherever you listen to your podcasts, or watch the show on YouTube and watch NBA Today at 3 Eastern noon Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app, or listen to the show as a podcast. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Jesse Rogers covers baseball for ESPN and, and Jesse, uh, you know, let's for starters, let's talk about where these negotiations stand at the moment. I, I, you know, was texting back and forth between people and I said, okay, I'm going to use a football comparison on sports center this morning. I got it at about the 30 yard line moving toward the goal line, not necessarily close, but close enough where you can get, get across the goal line. What do you think? Yeah, I would say definitely not the red zone, definitely not the red zone, but certainly on the other side of the 50-yard line. I, I, may, I may have said 40-yard line if I if I had thought about it. So we're, we're close. We're close. We're, we're within a first down of each other for sure. <laughs> I mean, the way this thing turned, Busters, is quite amazing. And obviously the deadline must have pushed it. What's interesting to me, big picture, is the league was kind of worried that the union was sort of pulling a Boris-style negotiation. It was the league that was worried the union was going to take this thing to the brink. Turns out, I feel like the league almost did a reverse for us. They're the ones that went to the brink and started hammering them with offers in a good way, but still, and this is why it kind of carried over to the next day. The union wasn't ready to say yes, 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 yes to everything as much as the league would have liked that to happen last night. So it's definitely the league that made the move towards the union and continues to, and I think will continue to, um, and I think you're right. I think by the end of the day, we'll probably have a deal. Uh, before in there, I've got specifics I want to ask you about, but right mm-hmm. off the bat, what's it like covering that? I mean, describe exactly where you are, uh, you know, cause I see all the tweets from all the reporters who are gathered there. Uh, and I wonder, you know, is somebody ordering out for pizza? Are you getting a chair? Do you got someplace to sit? Are you just walking around? Are your legs killing you today? What's the deal? All of the above. You nailed it all. So I've been here a week. We're at the St. Louis Cardinals slash Miami Marlins spring facility. The Marlins made some news yesterday. I ran over to that side to see if I could catch a a glimpse of Derek Jeter, but he had left the building literally and figuratively. So came back to the Cardinals side, which is where the meetings are taking place. The day usually starts with the owners on one side, 
the uh, players on the other, and then they'll come together, separate, come together, separate. Covering it is a lot of waiting, just like almost uh, waiting outside of a locker room to go inside, right? Um, you mentioned lawn chairs, a group of reporters here after the first day, we all went to Dick's Sporting Good and bought $9.99 chairs. And, you know, my boss is like, you're going to expense that. I said, you know what? I'll just buy the chair. I'm going to donate it before I leave. I'll give it to somebody. So we've had lawn chairs covered. Now we're using the press room of the St. Louis Cardinals, which is actually across the street from the, from the spring facility. So it's really convenient. We are right across the street. You get in here, you're right on your computer. You order some takeout. We did Cuban last night. Our colleague, Jeff Passan, as he likes to do, sent us all pizzas because he's not here, but uh, he sent five pizzas to us yesterday. So we all had pizza and Cuban food. And it's been like that almost every day of the week, just kind of like eating on the fly, um, watching the players go in, seeing when they get together and then and, and go apart. 13 bargaining sessions between Monday night and early Tuesday morning. Of course, uh, the morning ended for me at about 3.15 a.m., when I, I don't know what I said on SportsCenter. I taped something. I, I don't know what came out of my mouth. It was the longest day I've ever had covering a baseball event. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And, then, you know, the video of them going back and forth, I was thinking about, I don't know if you keep track of your steps on your phone, but I got to believe that there were about 40,000 steps done by Dan Halem yesterday based on the video that I was seeing. It was so interesting, Buster. You, you've been around this more than I have in the past. Just, okay, so that Rob Manfred goes over there. Then the next time is Halem and another lieutenant. Then the next time is Dick Monfort. I'm not sure if I saw Hal Steinbrenner go over there, but it's been different pieces of each negotiating team. You see the number crunchers go over there to talk to the union. And then Rob Manfred goes back over there. So um, by the time Hal Steinbrenner left at like maybe 1.32, I didn't think we were going to get a deal done. Ron Fowler left, then Hal Steinbrenner left. Fowler left earlier in the day. So I kind of by that point thought, okay, this is going to carry over. And we all knew they'd extend the deadline. That that became obvious, you know, later into the night for sure. Uh, and that's why I think we're in agreement that this thing's headed in the right direction, finally. All right. Uh, the comparison I've been making uh, for the last few months is this is a game of chicken. And you got these two sides. They're driving full speed toward the ledge. And I feel like in the last 48 hours that each side has looked over at the other like, oh, my God, they might be crazy enough to drive off the ledge. And the players looking at the owner say, oh, my God, they might be crazy enough to drive this off the ledge. And if it is driven off the ledge, my general feeling is it's going to be a classic case of really uh, decisions made by really dumb, smart people. OK, <laughs> <laughs> you feel that way, too, that like watching this play out, you're like, are you kidding in this moment, in this world, with everything going on, for you to have a labor stoppage that's going to cost games in the regular season, I don't know what how to you know to monetize, how much money saved, you know, in April games, May games, whatever. It ain't worth it. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I know. I, I think your analogy of high stakes uh, game of chicken is so on. And what what I mean by that is, I think the sides had similar strategies to sort of delay, 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 push, 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 go to the brink, go to the brink, go to the brink. But if you have the same strategy, when is anything ever going to get done, right? Yep. So I was pretty surprised there was as much movement as there was. Now, going back to last week when I got here, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought there'd be a few days of theater, of performance art, right? And we saw that the league coming out and saying a deadline is a deadline. It was like the only on-the-record quote we had for about five days and really threatening the, the players and uh, I'm sure it was done strategically at that moment 
to scare the younger players and the agents into, oh, we, get, we need a deal, we need a deal. But nobody budged. Nobody budged. And nobody budged when I thought they'd budge, which would have been Friday, Saturday. And even Sunday, we started to see a glimmer. But nothing really moved until Monday. So it's a reminder. Deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. It happens in every walk of life, but in every aspect of baseball, nothing gets done until a deadline. And so to see the league move like they did and they needed to, I was very happy to see that. I, I know the lieutenants very well, as you do. This isn't about Rob Manfred. These guys, Dan Halem and, and these other guys, they've been working at it and they want a deal. I know everybody assumes, oh, uh, the owners don't want to play in April. Well, if they don't want to play in April, then we won't see a deal today, tomorrow, or the next day. I don't believe that. I, I might be naive, but I think they want to play. They're just not sure if they want to play under the, the, the deal that was on the table for them. So I give the league credit. They went to the union. They made the moves. And I'll give the union credit. Their strategy strategy might actually end up paying off. Um, I don't want to get too deeply into the weeds on the specifics of negotiations because as you, you, you and I are taping this at about 10 a.m., Two sides will start talking at 11, which means that some of the information will be obsolete by the time people listen to this. But going into this day, generally speaking, I feel like two big issues. One, settle on the competitive balance tax uh, you know, levels, uh, thresholds. Um, and the, the owners moved in that yesterday. And I, I think that, that uh, you know, they're probably going to be in a good place there. The big thing, and this is a big piece of leverage for the players, is settle on the postseason playoff field. The owners want 14 the players yesterday were posturing at 12. I feel like that's something that the players can trade because the owners not only want the 14-team playoff field, but because of TV contracts, Jesse, they need the 14-team playoff field. What do you think? Yeah, this is an interesting dynamic that really picked up steam over the weekend. We kind of thought it was a, a sort of a background thing, 12 or 14. It's it's at the forefront. There's no doubt. It was very interesting to hear the league go to the union and say, okay, Here's a plan that includes a 12-team postseason. You're going to get less money overall. Here's a plan that includes 14 teams, and you'll get a little bit more. And I, I agree that's that's part of the dynamic for sure. I think minimum salary, though, is still something. I mean, that 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 will satisfy a lot of the membership in terms of, you know, guys that have been waiting, waiting, waiting for that number to, to come up, and they finally might bring it up to a, something that starts with a seven. So I think that's interesting as well. But yes, I think all of those things are kind of tied together. Um, if you if you choose this avenue, you're gonna make you're gonna get more money overall. If you choose this avenue, it's gonna be a little bit less because we're gonna make a little bit less. So that'll be something certainly that'll be at the forefront again today. All right. Uh, before we go, let's talk about Derek Jeter. He leaves as CEO of the Marlins, uh, and the response on social media yesterday from a lot of players were, you know, tip of the cap to Derek, respect. Uh, you know, based on his statement, the words in there where, you know, his vision and the owner vision, Bruce Sherman, you know, they separated. I, I thought, uh, you know, their feeling was that Derek quit because the Marlins wouldn't grow their payroll. I thought that was kind of convenient. <laughs> I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. Why Derek left. I, I heard a year ago that there were issues between Bruce Sherman uh, and Derek. Uh, and, you know, that was beginning to turn. And, and I, you know, Derek, you know, he's certainly someone, he, when he was a player, he wanted to be an owner. Um, I think he'll stay in baseball one form or another. I think that this experience was a challenge for him. Like running the team didn't necessarily go so great. You know, he takes over the Marlins. 
They have a team that's right on the cusp of being a playoff contender. It's great lineup. He trades Yelich. He trades Stanton. He trades Real Muto. He tanks for a couple seasons. He gets the payroll down. They start to develop the team. And through that time and pandemics in the middle of it, the interest in the team doesn't really grow in Miami. That's always the challenge. And that didn't change. And I think what happened was Bruce Sherman, you know, throws a lot of money into buy the Marlins. The perception in the industry is that he bought a white elephant and it's not a good investment for him. And he's getting frustrated with that. And so he and Derek start button heads. And then they have this issue of whether or not to grow the payroll. And that's at the moment that Derek leaves. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, uh, quite the coincidence, though. It happens on the most important day of the lockout, right? And what a gift to the union. The Atlanta Braves financials become public in the same yes. week that Derek Cheater resigns. In some way, and somehow, it had to be related to, to spending. Look, the Jesse Rogers rule of owning a team is if you have water, put your stadium near the water. Uh, we yes. were talking about this yesterday. I mean, I've been to Marlins Park. You've been there. You know, maybe they can build up the neighborhood, but why fight so hard when you have a beautiful situation, water? You know, I don't know where to put it in downtown Miami. I'm not smart enough, but that's his problem with the team. It's in the wrong place. Yep. It's in the wrong place. To be able to tap into the Latin American fan base down there would be incredible. And I know they've tried to over time, but it's about where that stadium is. I'm curious if the offseason went without a lockout, if Derek Jeter resigns. I agree that there's philosophical, but I think it was about money too. You heard the the Marlins interested in Schwarber and other players before the lockout. Like they might, they were thinking about spending money, and then something changed. Obviously, in the last couple months. So, um, yeah, the timing was quite amazing. I will say that. Well, yeah, and they, you know, the Marlins maybe the timing, and I think a lot of the small and mid market teams, you're going to see this. There may have been plans on okay, well, how much money do we spend on the 2022 budget? Because nobody's been able to sell tickets, I think a lot of the small market, mid-market teams, you're going to see those budgets come down. And the Marlins might have been one of the many teams, I think, that'll wind up doing that. So, uh, yeah, it definitely helped with Derek's image, that's for sure, within the, among players. So, all right, Jesse, thanks for doing this. Buster, anytime. Talk to you soon. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. 
That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Andrew Campbell lives in Portland, Oregon. As we tape this, it's 923 Eastern time, which means it's 623 his time. He's actually, it appears, yes, Andrew's standing on a parking lot. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Had to had to come out here for uh, you know, so I could talk to you guys, had to come outside of my warehouse. Well, thanks for getting up early. Thanks for doing this. Uh, you're a lifelong fan of those uh, dreaded New York Yankees, as Taylor writes. Uh, if you had an opportunity today to be in a room with the players and with the owners as they negotiate, what would you say to them? Well, Buster, I've, I've been trying to uh, put some words together that I think uh, I could say to uh, billionaire baseball owners. Cause you know, you know, me and those guys have a lot in common. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, it came, it came down to two, two things. I think I would say to uh, both parties. The first thing I would say to the gentleman in that room is, um, do you think that the 12 year old versions of yourself would be proud right now? Be proud of the, um, negotiations and the progress you're making in this sport of baseball and the labor talks. Um, and the players themselves, the union might, might have an easier answer to that question simply coming from that. They, they believe they're on the morality side. Um, you know, they're trying to better the game. They're trying to get the, players paid at a younger age. Um, you know, and, and the second thing I would sort of ask, um, is the, you know, more, more targeted to the owners. Do they, um, what, what, what legacy means to them? Um, you know, because the almighty dollar at the end of the day is, is what's going to come down to, um, what's important to the owner side. And, and the players are trying to get all that back. They're trying to fight all that back. But legacy matters. And, um, you know, looking back and looking forward, because if you look in, you know, as far as owners go and executives, you think of George Steinbrenner and Charlie Finley. And, you know, you can even go cross sports. And, and if you're going to think of superstar owners, you know, Jerry Jones for the Cowboys, um, Michael Jordan for, you know, basketball for, for the Charlotte t team that he owns, those owners are superstars as far as executives and figureheads in their sport. But as far as baseball goes, those owners, the superstar owners have their, their status has diminished and it's purely becoming from the fact that they're not trying to better the game. George Steinbrenner spent money to try to win. Charlie Finley was coming up with all these creative things to better the game. Um, you know, the, the superstar owners that they have now, um, well, one of them just quit yesterday on his franchise because he felt like, well, we don't know yet. Excuse me. I, I actually can't speak too much on the Derek Jeter case, but you have one of your owners and executives yesterday 
leave his team. And there is another superstar owner that it seems like the rest of the teams are trying to suppress in one Steve Cohen. And Steve Cohen is trying to um, be a modern version of George Steinbrenner. And the, it appears that the leagues, excuse me, the league and the teams are trying to suppress his spending habits for the betterment of his team and essentially the betterment of October baseball. Yeah, another owner in that same position, Peter Seidler of the San Diego Padres, who obviously is trying to win. Uh, real quick, uh, tell me on a scale of one to 10, your level of anger, if they don't get a deal done today, and how will that manifest, that anger, if they don't get a deal done? Well, probably probably on a scale of one to 10, a, a nine or 10, just as much as any any baseball fan. I, I would be heartbroken if there wasn't baseball this summer. But um, I'll tell you what, the the opportunity for baseball outside of major league baseball is huge right now. You know, everyone's being excited right now about the, the, the hot start of college baseball. Um, you know, you have Tommy white out in NC state blowing up and Bryce Harper put out a cryptic message the other day about joining, um, I believe that Nip, Nippon league in, in, uh, Japan, Nippon league or, uh, some of the Korean leagues. Um, you know, shoot, it wasn't, it was, you know, as far as talking about superstar owners here in Portland, not too long ago, about 40 or 50 years ago, we had a gentleman by the name of Bing Crosby come out and try to get baseball started again here in Portland, as far as independent ball, as far as indie league goes an independent baseball league and minor league baseball. And there's an independent baseball team out here in Portland called the Portland pickles who generate a little buzz in the, uh, in the Twitterverse, in the social media world, simply just by trying to stir any kind of attention on that team that they can. And, and it's uh, just a small little team in Southeast Portland. That's an independent baseball team, but the opportunity to sort of watch this beautiful game is, uh, is, is manifesting itself in very unique ways because of unfortunately these labor talks. All right. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for getting up early for us. Right on. Thank you, Buster. It's truly an honor. Katie Chapman lives in Michigan. Her favorite team is the Mets, but she also supports the Detroit Tigers. Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing great, all things considered. Well, you're well known to listeners of this podcast with all the bleach tweets you sent in, all the great thoughts. Uh, tell me that if you were in the room with the owners and players, uh, what you would say to them about how this has all played out. Well, I guess I would start with um, if what I would say to them separately and what I would say to them together. What I would say to the owners is, what do you actually like about baseball? And why did you decide to buy a team? Because I haven't been uh, getting a real I love the game vibe from them throughout this process and wanting what they're doing to minor league players and retracting the minor league, the uh, franchises and canceling games to make more money. So like, I, I just, I'd like to know that. And what I, I guess I'd like to say to the players is, um, and I'm more on the side of the players. That's pretty obvious from anyone who reads my tweets. Sorry, Taylor on that <laughs> um, is, you know, they're, they're in a bind right now. They're really in a bind right now. And what is it that they would accept to make them slightly more whole to save the game? Because I really think the onus is on them, considering the owners are like, oh, I could make more money by not having as many games. And, you know, how would they do what, what can they accept to save the game to live to fight another day, unfortunately? And what I would say to them together, frankly, the owners and the players is you better friggin focus on the fans when and if this thing gets done. 
because there is really no, um, you know, people aren't just going to come back. Like, what are you going to do to make the fan experience something so they feel good since most fans look at this as a diversion from lots of things, obviously, especially in the current environment. And this is really fraught. And as a fan, a lot of people are feeling really disturbed and disgusted. And there's other things that people can be looking at and doing besides baseball in terms of other sports and entertainment things. And so what are you going to do both sides and I hate the both sides term, but what are you both sides going to do to help in terms of the fan experience moving forward? Yeah, Amy, I feel like that the, the lessons of 1995 coming off the, the work stoppage of that year have, have been forgotten, that people in the industry seemingly have forgotten how many empty seats there were. Um, how devastating would it be in your eyes if they actually don't get a labor deal? If they don't get a labor deal, and they cancel games, I think it's more devastating than if ultimately um, there's a decision made to, uh, you know, in negotiations to move forward with the season or try and move forward with the season and, you know, figure it out as they go along. I think to me, the, the crux is, is missing games or not missing games. And I, and so that, that, that's what I think, but um, I, I don't claim to speak for all fans on that. That that's just my sense of it. One last quick one. If, in fact, there's a resolution, uh, what are you looking forward to the most in the 2022 season? Well, my New York Mets. Um, (laughs) I have to say, uh, you know, Max Scherzer is my spirit animal now that he's on the team. And the fact that he's the lead negotiator just, you know, makes my heart happy. So I'm hoping Steve Cohn, who I actually do believe likes baseball or likes enough to overspend on a team, um, you know, does right by us this season and moving forward. Yeah, they'll be one of the most aggressive teams, no question. Amy, thanks for doing this. Great to talk with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Max Lebowitz lives in Burke, Virginia. He's a Yankees fan. You're a musician, Max. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. If you were in the room with the owners and players, what would you tell them today? I've got a long list that I worked on, but the bottom line is after last night, why did it take so long? I know the players didn't want to negotiate against themselves, but you got to kind of nudge Tony Clark and be like, look, you guys have to be the bigger men here after about two weeks when it was clear the owners weren't going to do anything. And I want to sit the owners down and say, what are you doing? I liked the tweet last week about, you know, not caring about the labor, but then I want to ask guys like I have a list, the guys like uh, Bob Nutting and Peter Angelos, why they like baseball and then try to get them feeling sentimental and then ask them, then if you don't care, then why own a team? Uh, How devastating in your eyes would it be if uh, they don't get a labor deal today? Today? I don't know because their fake uh, deadline. You got- know, I can re I can rephrase it for you. What <laughs> happens if they lose a lot of the season because they don't have a labor deal in your eyes? I think it's going to be huge in 94. The internet wasn't a thing. Not really. I was less than, I wasn't born yet, but it wasn't really a thing. There are less options now, you know, everyone's watching college baseball and then there's going to be tennis this summer and people have other options. Now, what I think is that, I don't think it would kill the sport the way a lot of people think, because I think Shohei Otani would bring a lot of people back. I think he would make like the six o'clock news again for throwing seven innings and hitting two home runs. 
I think if, if it weren't for Shohei Otani, I think the sport, if we, if we canceled opening day, I think the sport could seriously, seriously go away. But thank God we have Shohei Otani right now. Just give me a number. Scale of 1 to 10, uh, how angry would you be if uh, we lose parts of the season? 10. Oh, I'd be so angry. Max, thanks for doing this. Nice job. Thanks, Buster. Have a good rest of your day. Dave Steinberg is a huge baseball fan. You've heard so many of his questions on Bleacher Tweets through the years. Uh, and he's joining us on the podcast now. Lives outside of Philadelphia. And, of course, he is a reformed Red Sox fan. PK, tell me what your view of uh, the labor discussions are at this point. Um, I'm kind of sick of it at this point. The, the focus has seemed to turn from what they can do to make the on-the-field product better to how they can each respectively just pocket more money. And I find that a little distasteful. If you had an opportunity to sit in a room in one of these negotiation rooms uh, and there was a break from those talks, uh, you're able to you know, talk to the owners and the players. What would you say? Um, you need to fix the game. You need to speed up the pitch count. Um, I heard that there, like the official rule is that the pitchers have about 12 seconds to pitch the ball. Otherwise, the umpire can call a ball. Can call a ball. I wish they would do that. Uh, they don't seem to really take into consideration how we feel about the game when we're either there, when we're consuming it on the radio or on the television. Um, and I find that frustrating. If we get a labor resolution, as you as I, and I talk, it feels like that they're moving in that direction. What are you going to be most excited about for 2022? Going and sitting in the bleachers and watching a baseball game with a beer and a pretzel. Perfect. PK, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Have a nice day. Sarah Feinberg is a uh, Giants fan who lives in Massachusetts. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm good, Buster. Thanks for joining us. If you were in a room with the owners mm -hmm. and players today, what would you say to them? Oh, my God. It's so great to see you all. <laughs> um, I, I feel so, uh, I would, I feel so mad at the owners, just, just livid. Yeah. And, uh, would you give them, what advice would you give them in terms of how they should handle things? Um, I mean, the advice is like, it's a backlog. Like, why did it take so long? This happened in December. The thing ran out in December. You saw it come in for years. Why did you just throw your weight around? And the the hubris and the callousness is egregious because it's not just the players. It's everybody that works at the ballparks. It's everybody that's a coach. It's everybody that's a trainer. These are people's lives. These are people's livelihoods. And the owners just can't get out of their own way to do something that has some kind of humanity, the way that baseball has the capacity to do, they could have done the right thing that was reasonable and they just didn't. How devastating in your eyes would it be for baseball if we don't get a labor deal today? Do you think we're going to get a labor deal today, Buster? <laughs> I think there's a chance. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Yeah. I think there's a small chance. Um, 
I mean, how devastating would it be to baseball? I mean, it depends on if you're talking about commerce or if you're talking about interests. I mean, I, I hear people talking about baseball more now than I have in a long time. And I think it's because people have a good feeling about workers in general and players and around the nation, there's a rising tide of people saying, Hey, what's going on in the minor leagues? Why are these people getting paid below poverty wages at a time when the, the owners are making so much money, even during difficult times? Why is that happening? So I think that the, there's a swell of interest and a swell of um, feelings on the side of workers. And that even means millionaire players who are helping to fund minor leaguers who have no place, you know, who are just so egregiously underpaid. Um, so in some ways, I think it's not devastating for baseball. I think there's a lot of people talking about this situation. Um, but for fans, it's already, I'm supposed to be in Arizona right now. Uh, last one. If in fact we do get a labor deal uh, okay, and, and we get it today, what you as a Giants fan, what are you looking forward to the most in 2022? Well, I guess I'm going to have to replan a trip since I can't go to Arizona. I'm going to have to go to San Francisco. I haven't been on an airplane in like two and a half years. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go sit. Speaking of water, I'm ready to go sit um, at the ballpark and see those splash hits. I'm ready to see Logan Webb lead the team. I'm ready to see Gabe Kapler um, just being super ripped. And um, <laughs> I love the Giants. I love baseball. I don't care if it gets faster, if it stays slow. I just love it. I can't wait to see my team. I can't wait to just be in black and orange, screaming my face off like Sarah Lang's mom. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Great to talk with you. Thanks a lot, Buster. Mr. Malling is a listener who lives in Michigan. He's an auditor, and of course, he's a fan of the Tigers, which the note I got from Taylor was, uh, when I asked the question, what's his favorite team? He, I got back, Tigers, duh. Mitchell, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. If you had an opportunity to be in a room with owners and players today and to tell them how you feel in watching this play out, what would you say? Um. I guess I'd ask them uh, what they're doing to attract new fans and uh, what they're doing to help retain uh, their current fans. Because I think uh, if they miss regular season games, they're definitely going to lose some fans. And uh, I know as you've discussed on the podcast in the past, uh, they're not promoting players right now. They're not addressing any on-field issues. And at the end of the game, at the end of the day, I, uh, Baseball is an entertainment industry and uh, none of the on the field uh, issues are really being addressed. So um, I just hope they uh, hear that from, I know on social media, uh, there's been a lot of talk about it. So I just hope that they uh, kind of listen to their fans. Who do you blame more owners, players? Uh, definitely owners. Um, yeah. I, I think they really hold all the cards and, uh, Hopefully they make the uh, 
uh, take the first step and uh, really somebody breaches that gap because, uh, yeah, from what I'm, uh, everything I'm following on social media still appears that they're uh, a ways off. Yeah, they've got some work to do, as you and I talked this morning. How devastating would it be for the sport, the industry, if they're not able to get a deal? Um, I think very devastating. I, I think you're going to lose a whole nother year. There, there's, you're not going to um, get many new fans. I think a lot of people um, are just going to tune out out of spite um, because uh, these quote-unquote millionaires and billionaires can't get it together. Uh, especially with everything that's happened uh, in the last couple of years uh, and everything that's happening in the world now. Um, uh, I'll tune back in for sure. But yeah, I, I, I can't uh, say the same for um, a lot of other baseball fans. Uh, let's play fantasy land here. Uh, if in fact they get a deal done today, what are you looking forward to the most in 2022? Uh well, initially, just uh, the, the free agency mad scramble, that is going to be crazy. Um, I know before it was pretty crazy, but um, just with everybody trying to get these uh, signees before the start of the season, uh, I think that would be uh, entertainment in, uh, in itself. Mitchell, thanks for joining us. This was fun. All right. Thank you so much, Buster. Thanks for having me. Here's Scott Van Pelt on the SB Pod with some thoughts on the labor situation. I don't care, Steve. I don't care at all. None. Now, this is where I have to be honest with mm-hmm. the listener and with myself first and foremost. If the team that I rooted for, grew up, grew up rooting for, and still root for to this day, if the team that I root for isn't 110 losses every year. Do I feel the same? Almost certainly not. But we don't we don't get to choose who we root for in life. I mean, we do at some point, but then as an adult, I believe you have an obligation to stay true to that. You don't just get to wake up one day and say, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna root for them. I'm gonna root for the Rays now. They got a spunky outfit down there. It's not how it works. You're stuck with it. I'm stuck with the Orioles. And they are not competitive and haven't been for the last few years. Mm-hmm. So does that bleed into how I feel? Almost certainly it does. Because when you play, when you can, when you play 162 games and, and you root for a team that lost 115 of them, like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, there's no sense in investing any emotional equity in the next six months. Why would I? Um, that's hard. And that's, that's part of baseball's problem because there's, there's no problem with that. And the Orioles have drafted a bunch of talented guys. I see the minor league teams tweeting their names out all the time. Bring them up. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Cause you don't, don't want service. Don't want to start having to pay them. Don't want the clock on that to happen. And, and this, I don't want this to turn into boring, like, labor negotiations and do you root for the owners versus the player? I just don't care. And I'm being honest about that. And I just wonder as somebody, you're a baseball fan. And I, I appreciate that about you. You watch the Mets, you grind pretty hard about on over the Mets, which, yeah. which I, I observe that. And I just wonder your level of care slash concern over this baseball conversation. Um, 
I'll tell you, as you, as you start talking, you're talking about, I mean, we had our meeting earlier today and you're talking about your Orioles take, like, yeah, I, I live and die with the Mets every single day, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to miss fretting over the losses because there's a hell of a lot more tough losses than the good wins and the success obviously hasn't been great. Uh, there was optimism with making some deals and getting some new guys and seeing Scherzer in a Mets uniform would be awesome. But I mean, I just, I don't know how you can have two sides that are supposed to agree on something that are this far away when you read stuff and it's like, you ask yourself, or I ask myself, do they care? They seem not to, particularly you know, the like owners. That's, like I mean, the, I imagine mean, I, a business. I hate using the word perception, but that's what I think when I look at it. Imagine a business where there's no consequence for being putting out a terrible product and still making millions of dollars. And and I've seen conversations back and forth about, well, I mean, people try to cook the books and passing got into a little back and forth with, on Twitter about that with a Marlins guy, whatever. I'm just what name a business where you can just suck for years on end and still make millions of dollars. There's no penalty. Like if you had the worst restaurant in Baltimore mm-hmm. and you just serve <laughs> on a plate, <laughs> Hey, you want to go down there and get the turd on a plate? No, not really. I don't. Well, I'm gonna, no, not me. I'm gonna go down the ocean on, I mean, there's no consequence. No. Just, you're still printing money. And so I'm over here, remember in the old days, listening to radio, listening to Chuck Thompson or John Miller and watching Jim Palmer out there going to Memorial Stadium. I couldn't have loved that team more. Mm. So, I mean, I take no joy in sitting here shrugging and just no, telling you the truth. I don't care. And guess what? It doesn't matter if they stink. They're still going to print money. And so I just can't even pretend to that for this to bother me because it doesn't. On the other hand, there's the Rays, and they don't spend a ton of dough either, and they've got it figured out. I admire that. Mm. I mean, because well, listen, part of the hopelessness is you're on this, you live on the same street as the Red Sox and the Yankees, yeah. who are just spending money hand over fist to be competitive. Toronto does, and then and then. Tampa Bay is really good. And they don't. It's just depressing. But then the other is just is, and I don't know that it's, it's not specific to Baltimore. Just it's just the amount of amount of money that gets made. And it doesn't matter what kind of product you put on the field. And mm-hmm. teams don't spend. And I just I don't care. I totally that, see where you're coming from. That totally. makes me that makes me a bad guy. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't think you're a bad guy. I, I thanks, pal. I want someday for them to be good again. I truly, I would love for them to be because I, I miss caring. Mm. Why, watching games in the fall and watching games in the playoffs, the, the tension of that and the drama of baseball is awesome. And we all grew up with it and I'm nostalgic for it. I've said this a million times. We'll go to games with my dad. I mean, all of that stuff. Love it. Love every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, today, as Jeff's talking about what's going on and Manfred and these guys, I'm like, you guys deserve each other and I don't care. Bleacher Tweets. 
Alrighty, Buster Bleacher tweets for uh, Tuesday. First up, we have Lawrence Jurdom at Lawrence Jurdom writes in, I realize that one has to follow the market, but saying at a $600,000 salary is not enough for a first-year player is ridiculous. Most of us who love the game, as Phil Rizzuto said, play ball for a ham sandwich and a glass of milk. Mm. It's a business. You know what? I mean, I hope the players get what uh, they can get. Uh, in these negotiations, you know, uh, I yeah. mean, people, when they say that somebody's overpaid, like an actor, no, not if somebody's willing to pay him $20 million of film. Right. Joel Garcia at Garcia, Joe LA writes in, I watch or listen to the Dodgers every night. I go to the stadium about once a week. It appears my disposable income will not be returning to major league baseball and no more merchandise tickets and subscriptions for me. Thanks for the memories, Joel. I don't know if I believe you on this one. Let's wait till the, you know, if we get the season uh, where you stand on all of this. He left a little bit of an out, right? He used the word appears. Uh, Okay. Like, I think he is waiting to see what happens with these negotiations before he finally uh, or finalizes that divorce. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Mall at John Mall seems to be in the same boat here. I went to one MLB game last year. Maybe I will cut back. So another. (laughs) I like that one. Last one for today. Joseph Corroyo at Tired Mariner fan. I'm a diehard baseball fan with what's happening in the world. Ukrainian citizens fighting for their lives. I'm embarrassed and disgusted at the game for not reaching a deal this week. There are bigger issues. Get this deal done. Maybe it'll happen, Joe. But uh, I think I think everyone probably uh, agrees with you, even in the negotiating room. Yeah. So in 2002, uh, when the CBA was up uh, and they were arguing over the uh, question of whether or not there's going to be drug testing, some of the conversation among the player leadership was, you know what? We have this international war on terror going on. <laughs> We've got soldiers overseas. We do not want to have a labor fight and shut down the sport while all that's going on. I think a similar conversation needs to take place today. There you have it. Lots of therapy on today's podcast. Thanks for all the Bleacher tweeters for calling in and writing in. We really appreciate all of our listeners. So thank you so much. Tell a friend, uh, follow the show at Baseball Tonight, wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's it for today. My thanks to Jesse, PK, Amy, Andrew, Mitchell, Sarah, Max, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.